Our scripture reading this morning is taken from the Gospel of Matthew. Please let us stand for the reading of God's word. Matthew 26:45 through 56 takes us to the evening when Jesus was betrayed and arrested. He had just finished praying in the Garden of Gethsemane as we begin our scripture reading with Matthew 26:45 through 56. Jesus said to Peter, James, and John, Look, the hour has come, and the Son of Man is delivered into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us go. Here comes my betrayer. While he was still speaking, Judas, one of the twelve, arrived. With him was a large crowd armed with swords and clubs, sent from the chief priests and the elders of people. Now the betrayer had arranged a signal with them. The one I kiss is the man. Arrest him. Going at once to Jesus, Judas said, Greetings, Rabbi, and kissed him. Jesus replied, Friend, do what you came for. Then the men stepped forward, seized Jesus, and arrested him. With that, one of Jesus' companions reached for his sword, drew it out, and struck the servant of the high priest, cutting off his ear. Put your sword back in its place, Jesus said to him. For all who draw the sword will die by the sword. Do you think I cannot call on my father and he will at once put at my disposal more than 12 legions of angels? But how then would the scriptures be fulfilled that say it must happen in this way? In that hour, Jesus said to the crowd, Am I leading a rebellion that you've come out with swords and clubs to capture me? Every day I sat in the temple courts teaching and you did not arrest me. But this has taken place that the writings of the prophets might be fulfilled. Then all the disciples deserted him and fled. Then in Matthew 5, 5, we read, Jesus taught us, saying, Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Finally, in Matthew 11:28 through 30, we read, Jesus declared, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. This is the word of God. Please be seated. Thank you, Holly and Alan. So the fruit of God's Spirit is gentleness. In other words, when the Spirit of God has finished his work in you, you know what you're going to be? You're going to be a gentle person. Do you want to be one of those? I'm not sure that many people want to be one of those in our increasingly self-assertive and aggressive world. I don't know how many people would win a political election if they were deemed to be gentle. I don't know how many people would become the CEO of the company if they were viewed as gentle. I mean, when I say the word gentle in our world, what kind of pictures usually come to mind? Kind of like maybe a gentle breeze or a little kitten that is there. So, you know, I did what I I usually do. I I, I went and asked people uh, what they thought of when they thought of a gentle character. I got all sorts of answers. But the first one I got was um, Winnie the Pooh. So I put a picture up here, just so you can see. If you're going to become gentle, maybe you'll become like that. Do you want to be gentle? 
The, the second one I got was Mr. Rogers. That's a little better. Here we have a, a puppet that's there. And then, of course, I talked with a lot of Lake Avenue people who know that the Bible talks about gentleness. Must be different from the way the world thinks about gentleness. So I started getting answers like Mother Teresa and Gandhi and even actors like Emma Watson and Viggo Mortensen, you know, Aragorn of, of Lord of the Rings fame. I noticed this, though, not a single person mentioned even one uh, NFL middle linebacker as being gentle. And uh, sadly, uh, no one mentioned a single evangelical church leader. So here we come to gentleness today in the study on the fruit of the Spirit. When the Spirit sinks our lives, we become gentle. So in this world of power and self-assertion, I'll tell you, mostly we think about gentle people as those who might be pushed aside, that people can trample on. But, but when I say that, let me remind you uh, that one of the reasons why God gives his spirit uh, to you and to me is, as Paul would put it in Romans 8, he is going to conform us to the image of Jesus Christ. And one of the ways that Jesus described himself was in the text that we just heard this morning, Matthew 11, verse 29. He said, I am gentle and humble in heart. So we better figure out what it is. So I want to start there. This word that's translated gentleness in, uh, in the list of the fruit of the Spirit, it's the same word that's often translated meekness. So the, in, in the uh, uh, Sermon on the Mount, uh, Jesus would at one point say, Blessed are the meek, same word, or gentle for... Blessed are the meek for, for what? All right. You know what we might think if we understood gentleness the way our world does? Well, they're going to need blessed because they're going to need God there because they're going to get stomped on by the kind of world that we live in. God had better bless them. But God, Jesus doesn't say anything like that, does he? As some of you already said, blessed are the gentle, blessed are the meek for they shall inherit the earth. I mean, it sounds like gentle people are going to have a lot of authority. They don't seem like Winnie the Pooh at all. Uh, so what did Jesus mean by that? When he said that gentle people will inherit the earth. Well, I don't know if you know, but Jesus was quoting King David. It goes all the way back to Psalm chapter 37 and verse 11. David says, blessed are those who are gentle because they're going to inherit the earth. And what he does in that psalm, if you look at it, he puts gentle people in contrast to evil people. And, and evil people throughout that psalm, you, I would want you to read that thing through, are always people who use whatever authority that they have for themselves their own selfish means. It doesn't even matter what happens to the people who work under them or how their actions affect anybody else. Even if, if they make poor people even poorer, even if they in, increase the injustices in the world, they don't seem to, to care. In contrast to them, we have gentle people whom God says are going to inherit the earth. And, and so what Jesus is talking about as he thinks about when God finishes his work what he's going to do is to restore us to the roles as human beings that we're supposed to play in the first place. Because you remember in Genesis 1 when God created us, he created us to care for and rule over this world and to make it good. And even though we've messed it up now, when God finishes his work, you can read in the book of Revelation, we'll be able to rule again. We'll care for the world the way we're supposed to. And what Jesus is saying is the kind of people that God will entrust 
the authority to rule and to care for this world are gentle people. So it doesn't sound like weakness at all, does it? It doesn't sound like weakness at all. Uh, Now, many people will say, well, it doesn't work that way in the world that we live in right now, does it? It seems like to us, it's those, you know, aggressive, yeah, self-assertive, uh, self-centered people. They, they seem to be the ones who, who get ahead and, and get the, the, the promotions. Well, again, if you read what King David had to say, he said, well, that may be true in the short run. But in the long run, their destiny doesn't look all that great. In fact, if you look at verse 20 of, of Psalm 37, uh, he says, here's the way they're going to be. The wicked or the ungentle are going to perish. They're, they're like the glory of grass. It might look good one day, but they're going to vanish. He said it's even like smoke. They're, they're going to vanish away. So, bottom line, uh, the gentleness refers not to a weak person, but uh, to a person who uses and manages the strength and resources that God gives specifically to further God's goodness, to bring blessing and benefit to other people. Uh, now, I've got to say this too. The gentle person isn't the kind of person who sort of hides his or her gifts and says, you know, I'm supposed to be gentle because Pastor Greg preached a sermon about this, so I better not use my gifts. No, 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 far from it. With freedom, we use what God has given us with a sense of responsibility that I have an opportunity to make a difference. We ask the Spirit of God to use us to bless those he brings across our paths. Are you with me? I don't think so. So, um, let me keep going here. I think this illustration, it really helped me this week. It changed my whole sermon. Uh, the early Christians, when they translated, blessed are the meek, and when they translated, um, the fruit of the Spirit is gentleness, translated it into a Latin word that, that means used to the hand. It's a word that would be used for uh, horse trainers, especially in the military. When they would get a wild horse, there would be somebody who would come along and understand horses and deal with them so that the power of that wild horse could be brought under control, could be managed. It, it, it didn't uh, destroy the power of the horse. It utilized the power of the horse so the horse could be ridden, could be raced, uh, could, could be used on the farms. And, and it was so interesting to me when I thought about that, that the way that they translated this word into a powerful horse whose power was out of control into one that could actually be utilized for good. I, I started looking at that online, and I didn't even know this. That, that word gentle is still used for people who do that today. I'd always thought about when you, when you have the wild stallions or, or mustangs, that you broke the horse. But that isn't the word that's used. You know what the word that's used is? It's gentling the horse. It, it's not ruining or destroying the power of the horse. No, no, far from it. It's taking the power that, that God has built into that marvelous animal and being able to focus it and to direct it. Don't you think that is a great illustration of what gentleness is? Uh, because when I look at it, uh, I agree with the early church in the translating this that all of us as human beings have been made with incredible capacities. I mean, God has given you tremendous resources um, as people made in his image. But when sin entered the world, our human nature became wild. We lost control. What we need is to be gentled by the Holy Spirit. 
That's what this is talking about. The fruit of the Holy Spirit is gentleness. I was so interested to see, especially today as we have been thinking about the Angel Tree Project and, and as Alan read to us and he's been working in prisons. I was in prison last Wednesday, in case you wonder. And uh, I was there speaking to a group of these marvelous men who have had seminary level training, committed themselves to it. And as I looked at that, I heard about a program called the Mother Jones Program in which for uh, people who who's, are incarcerated, so powerful people often, but who have used their power for the wrong reasons, they are, they are brought into relationship with these horses to gentle the horse. And as they gentle the horse, they find that they themselves are gentled. Isn't that a great illustration? Are you more with me now? So what is gentleness? It's the free use of, of the... Uh, of the authority and, and, and power and resources God gives us, but always surrendered to the Spirit of God to use for good to further the kingdom of God in this world. That's what gentleness is. Now, having said that, I, I want to come back and do something I've been doing almost every week in this series. What does that look like in this world? What does that look like in this world? And I thought of two examples. Uh, Jesus. That doesn't surprise you, does it? And then I'm going to have another one in just a minute. So what does it look like? We're going to come back to that text that we heard earlier. Matthew chapter 26, verses 45 to 57. The example of Jesus as one who was gentle. Now last week, if if you were not here, we looked at Jesus just before he was arrested, uh, betrayed, arrested, and, and taken to the cross. He was in great distress, knowing that he would have to take that cup and bear the sins of the world. He drew his three closest friends, do you remember, to be with him? Peter, James, and John. He only asked them to do one thing. We were thinking about the, spirit of, of, uh, the fruit of the Spirit is faithfulness. Those three men couldn't even be faithful for a little while. The moment that Jesus was out of sight, they fell asleep on him. Three times they did it, but Jesus was faithful uh, to his Father and to us. Until the third time he came, he said, enough, look, my betrayer comes. So today's text brings us right back to the very next scene. It's the time when Jesus is betrayed by by Judas and is arrested. Now, I'll tell you this, I have thought about it. I can't think of a single episode uh, in the entire Bible that shows us what this kind of gentleness is like more effectively than this one. And at the very heart of the story is Matthew 26:53. So I'll read that to you. Jesus turned to Peter at this point and he said, "Do you think that I cannot appeal to my Father and he will at once send me more than 12 legions of angels?" So in that particular situation where Jesus may have looked weak, it's clear that the matter of who had the strength is right there, isn't it? Who had the strength to do whatever he he wanted to do? Well, the answer is not hard. It's the, always the answer in church. It was Jesus. See, it wasn't a question of whether he had enough power to make a difference in this situation. The question is, what would he do with that power? And so there are three scenes. I'm just going to show you two of them about how Jesus used his power in a gentle way. Uh, the first was with Jesus and Judas in verses 47 to 50. Now, now remember, Jesus already knew Judas was going to betray him. So Matthew here describes the whole plot that Judas had set up. He goes to the authorities. He said, here's how you're going to figure out who he is. I'm going to walk right up to him, greet him, and I'm going to give him a kiss on the cheek. And so he does exactly that. He kisses Jesus on the cheek. But what I want you to see is verse 50. 
uh, and what, what Jesus said to him. Knowing he was going to be betrayed, knowing that he was betraying him in that act, Jesus says, friend, do what you have to do. I've got one or two hums there. I'm glad you're starting to come. When I spoke at the prison, they helped me preach a whole lot more than you guys do. <laughs> just, just let you know, I'm better when you do. So the hum was really good. Friend, I don't know that I would have said that if I'd known one of you would betray me. Friend, I think I would say, you traitor you. <laughs> what are you trying to do coming up and kissing me on the cheek and greeting me? So what is, what's going on here when Jesus says, friend? Do what you have to do. There been a lot of studies about this. You can imagine it well. And most of them have shown this, that whenever that word friend was used in this way, followed by a warning, it was saying something like this, friend, we have had a relationship, and I want to extend to you the offer of an ongoing relationship, but I must also warn you that the direction where your life is headed, if you continue on with this, is not a good one. It's almost like I think about my mom when she used to say to me, son, oh no, oh no. Son, you're still my son. But I want you to know, if you keep going down that path, it's going to lead to nothing good. See, that's, that's what's going on here. It's Jesus having all the power in the world, knowing he is being betrayed, not dealing with him, with hatred, with rashness, with anger, but offering him the opportunity to change and to be different, the opportunity for ongoing relationship. Do you remember last year I pointed this out, that this had happened earlier on at the, at the Last Supper, where Jesus turned specifically to Judas, offering him the bread, a specific act of offering ongoing, renewed relationship. All that I have to say is so different from us when we know that someone has not been true to us. We just become angry. We want, to, we want to do something that hurts that person. The gentleness, strength of Jesus is shown by his willingness to offer forgiveness and an opportunity for a new beginning. Now, if that is included to you, I, I want you, you to see the same kind of thing in the very next scene with Jesus and Peter. It's such a famous scene. If you almost uh, watch anybody try to depict in a movie or uh, a reenactment uh, of, of the cross, this scene is there where when Jesus has been betrayed and is about to be arrested, one of his disciples comes and chops off the head of one of the... Uh, not head. <laughs> the ear. Okay, just the ear of, of one of the betrayers, uh, of one of the soldiers that, that was there. And so that's what we have going on here. Now, you've got to think about that. You've got to forget that I said head, okay? Um, You've got to think about that. Uh, doesn't it seem kind of silly that with all these soldiers coming with their weapons, that one fisherman thought that he could take one sword and make a difference? I mean, it's, it's futile. It's, it's silly when you think about it. I think it really is so embarrassing that Matthew, honoring this, this colleague of his, didn't even tell us his name. But John does, so John and Peter must have had a different kind of a relationship. I'm going to tell you who said it, who did it. So in this, you can almost hear Peter, and, and maybe you can see some of yourself in this. Um, Jesus, you don't even know how to fight in this world. Uh, I'm going to help you out. I'm going to get a sword. I've been a fisherman. I've fought, what, fish? I'll, I'll, show, you, I'll show you how to, how to do this. I, I tell you, I, as I read this, I, I make a little bit light of it, but I can see myself in it. 
Sometimes in the life of the church, um, maybe if our, our giving isn't all that it should be, I think, oh, you know what, I need to do something. I need to read Harvard Business Review and figure out how people in the world do this thing so, so that it can be better and, and help God out because he, he doesn't know that, that we need to do these things. Or maybe if we look and see that we'd like to have a lot more people come, I better get a, a marketing uh, specialist to come in and help us figure this thing out and, and do it that way, the way the rest of the world does it. Now, now when I say these things, I, I want to tell you my own view. I, I do believe there's a place that weapons can play in, in, in the defense of innocent people in this world. I, I believe that there really is a place for good business principles to be utilized. I think that good marketing principles and schemes are, are, are a part of God's creation too. But I am telling you that the, what Jesus is saying here is, Peter, uh, the battle we're going to face is a spiritual battle. And that one sword isn't going to do a thing against the real battle. I have come back to push back the forces of darkness. Trust me, Peter. Walk with me. Even though it doesn't seem to make sense to you and to this world. The strength that I have must be used to push back the real enemy. And so he heals. And the man's name was Malthus, you know. (laughs) Malthus, we find that out in the Gospel of Luke. Heals his ear and he moves on to fight the real enemy. Our own sin, the evil one, the darkness of this world to offer life to us. I'll tell you, I read this and I say that's what gentleness is. It is strength. I could call 12 legions of angels. It is strength that is managed and directed toward the real enemy, toward darkness, to bring benefit to you and to me. That's what we see in Jesus. That's why Jesus would say, I am gentle. I'll use the strength that is unlimited to bring blessing to you and me. Uh, Paul reveled in that. He really said that this should be a characteristic of the whole church. This kind of use of the strength to bring blessing to others. So in Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 and 4, a couple of verses that have become really big verses for us here in our church. He says, each one of you should do the same. You, you should look to the interests of others as greater than your own. So be willing to give up your own clout or whatever else, privilege, the, to look to the interests of others. And when people would say, what does that look like? In verses 5 to 11 of Philippians 2, Paul says, well, it looks like Jesus. And here I've put up here just a few of the phrases from the beautiful song that is in Philippians 2, 5 to 11. Though Jesus was in very nature God, he did not consider that equality with God something, and I love this translation, something that he would use to his own advantage. See, he had the strength in very nature God. He didn't use his strength for his own advantage. What did he do? But rather he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. That's what gentleness looks like. Isn't that a different... It's not Winnie the Pooh, is it? It's the unlimited power of Jesus being directed out of love to bring about our salvation. Hallelujah. And the uh, fruit of God's Spirit in your life and mine, is gentleness. Now, I, I thought that if I just told you about Jesus, you might think, well, it's just not the way it works in our world, and uh, Jesus was fully God and fully man, but it doesn't work for us. So i got to give you at least briefly one other example. Uh, Barnabas. 
Um, I think he's one of the best examples. You know, the, the name means son, bar, barness uh, of encouragement. And Acts 9 is a great place to read. Uh, if you look at verse 1 of Acts 9, it opens with this. Saul, Paul, uh, was breathing threats and murders against the followers of the Lord Jesus. So that, that's, you, you have that beginning. You get, you get an idea of what he was like, right? But then, if you don't know the story, in one of the greatest turnaround stories in the history of the world, by verse 25, we find the same Paul has become a fully devoted follower of Jesus. However, uh, back in Jerusalem, the people who had seen him try to be involved in killing Christians didn't really believe that this conversion was genuine. You can imagine it, can't you? Wait a minute. This is the way he can find out where the Christians are, and he's going to come in and, and kill us. So we pick up the story in verse 26. I have it here. When Paul returned to Jerusalem... He tried to join the disciples, but they were still afraid of him. Would we have been? Not believing that he really was a disciple. But Barnabas took him, brought him to the apostles. Then he told them how Saul, on on his journey, had seen the Lord, that the Lord had spoken to him. And then how in Damascus, Paul had preached fearlessly in the name of Jesus. Now, here's the point I want you to see. Uh, Barnabas was almost certainly the most respected, trusted man in their Jerusalem church. We, We talk about street cred. He had church cred. That's what he had. Uh, his, his life of love and integrity had learned, earned him that kind of credibility with all of the people. And what you see here in Acts 9 is something you see elsewhere. Barnabas using that, that influence and authority that he has on the, uh, behalf of someone else, Paul, to be able to bring him in and so that he could be welcomed in the church. And it's not just a one-time thing. Something very similar happens down in chapter 11. What had happened is, as, as the Christians in Jerusalem were persecuted, they went out and, and they kept talking about Jesus. And in a city called Antioch, people came to believe in Jesus, but most of them weren't Jewish. And so the Jewish Christians back in Jerusalem didn't trust that this is real. You can't believe that. So they had a really hard time. So you know what they did? They sent Barnabas, their most trusted man. Go and check it out, they said. And here's, pick it up, verse 22 of Acts 11. So the Jerusalem church sent Barnabas to Antioch. Uh, When he arrived and saw what the grace of God had done, he was glad and encouraged them. I, I already tell you, this is evidence of a true believer. That even if God does things differently from what we expect when we see God at work, we just rejoice. Have you ever experienced that? See God at work in somebody's life or in heart, and it might might be different from anything you've ever seen before. But you see, it characterized my dad so much that, that even though it may have been sometimes the churches and things that he saw, that everything was a little bit different in the way they sang or worshipped. When he saw the hand of God, it made me think of that when I read about Barnabas. He was glad. He encouraged them all to remain true to the Lord with all their hearts. He was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit. And faith. And a great number of people were brought to the Lord. So I've got to ask you, 
When you look at Barnabas, do you see weakness? No, I'm telling you, you, you see courage. You see influence, but it's not used for his own gain. He uses it for the blessing of others and the glory of the Lord. I, I love that, that, that in particular, he, he used it to, to uh, be with people who were distrusted in the church and make sure that those who were strangers were welcomed until they knew they were brothers and sisters. And you see, what, what I want to tell you today is the fruit of God's Spirit, when we let God's Spirit work in our lives, is going to be gentleness. But it's gentleness like we see in Jesus. It's gentleness like we see uh, in Barnabas. So how's that going to happen and grow in us? So I'll stop with this. Growing in gentleness. I want you to take a moment even now and ask God to show you how you might show this kind of gentleness in your own life. It might be in your marriage or it might be in your family or with your friends. It might be at the school or the workplace. I want us all to ask, is it possible that some of the works of the flesh have contributed to our divided world? That maybe your own anger has taken an already difficult relationship and made it worse. Maybe impatience has done great harm to your marriage or, or your family or any other relationship. Uh, as I've talked about this, one of the first comments that almost always comes to me is, but Pastor Greg, you know, I'm not a boss of anyone. I don't have any real power or influence. And I tell you that you do. Do you realize the amount of influence you have in any relationship that you have? I mean, you can even think about any kind of a family situation that you've been in. How you or somebody else in that family can absolutely wreck that family. By, because, you know, in our marriages and in our families, we figure out how to make the other person mad. We can do it with a word. We can do it with a look on our faces. Anybody here with me and agree with me? You know we know how to do this. I know that if I look like this, she will really get upset. It will tick her off. So what do we do? We look like this. It's power. It's influence. We can turn the workplace into a place of joy or into a virtual hell. We can do that in our schools. We can do that in our families. We can do that in every place in our lives. Let me ask you, will you make a commitment that by the help and power of the Holy Spirit sinking your life, that you will make a positive difference in each one of those relationships? I, I think about so many families who think, oh, my father, he's overly punctual. I know what. I don't even want to go to church. So if I show up five minutes late, it's going to irritate the life of I'm going to show up ten minutes late. <laughs> if we will consciously look at those places where we see our lives affect those around us and allow the Spirit of God to take that power and influence and push it toward blessing, what a difference it will make. It might go in a different direction. There's, there's an article in, uh, on the InterVarsity website by a woman named Jen Herman. I really do like it. 
And at the end of her article on gentleness, she wrote this. She said, I am not a naturally gentle person. I tend to wield the gifts God has given me harshly, particularly when it comes to language. Mm. The desire to use language to gain social power has led me to do so at the expense of my friends too often. For me, prautis, which is the Greek word for gentleness, meant becoming unsarcastic. Do you feel convicted at all? It might mean something different for you, Jen wrote. So I did a sarcasm fast. I intentionally put that power back under God's control, asking him to give me gentleness. So I must ask you, for what part of your own life do you feel you need to grow in gentleness? Open your life and ask the Spirit of God to produce that fruit in you. One thing, as I've thought about Barnabas, that I'm so sure of is this. If our church is ever going to reach the people that God is bringing to the San Gabriel Valley, I mean people from every nation and language around the world, people of all sorts of backgrounds and documentation or lack of documentation or incarceration or lack of incarceration, I'll tell you, we're going to have to all develop this, this kind of gentleness we see in Barnabas. Where a person walks up and and thinks, would I ever fit in these perfect looking people? And we come and say, we're not all that perfect. And someone like Barnabas comes and says, come, I will go with you. And be there with people who may not normally seem to fit within a traditional sort of church place. Welcome them. Welcoming the stranger until that stranger knows that he or she is not strange, but a part of the family. I'm praying for that. Any of you join me to pray that we'll grow in this? We'll just look for people who say, I don't know if I really fit. And we'll just have to say, well, if I do, there's hope for you. And use whatever opportunity and authority God gives you to welcome people. Because gentleness is not weakness. Far from it. Uh, On the contrary, the Spirit of God is powerful. It was the power of God's Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. I tell you, the Apostle Paul knew how hard it was uh, to turn self-centered people whose whole lives are revolved around ourselves into people who are gentle. So so in in Romans 7, uh, I've cited this almost every week, Paul himself felt helpless about this. Read chapter 7. Wretched man I am, he said. Who's going to save me from myself? Romans 8. There's no condemnation when I'm in Christ Jesus. And now God has given to me his spirit. Listen to Romans 8.11. See it. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you... He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life, the life of God, to your frail bodies through His Spirit who dwells in you. Ah, this is our hope. Uh, This whole point of this synced series is that God's Spirit is here, He dwells in us, and He dwells in you. The gentleness that the Spirit gives 
comes from recognizing that you and I are not the source of the power. We can't get there on our own. But that God is the source of the power. And our prayer is that God will gentle us and redirect all of the gifts he's given us to bring blessing to people and to further his glory. Because the fruit of God's spirit is gentleness. May it bring glory to him. Amen. Amen. Let me, let me lay this in prayer. Father, why you love us so much is almost unimaginable to us. But we are grateful. So, Father, we who have so desperately needed your forgiveness and your mercy, thank you for the mercy that you have lavished upon us. Not only to tell us that in Christ there's no condemnation in spite of our sin, but even more that you give to us your very spirit with this promise. When you're done, we'll be conformed to the very image of Jesus. Father, it's more than we can ever imagine. But it is your promise. So, Father, do your work through your Holy Spirit in us. Continue to develop all of these aspects of the work of God's Spirit in us so that we see it among one another, so that people in our neighborhood see it, so that our family members see it and are drawn to you. Father, continue to do your work in us. For this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.